0: The S&P, the O6, stop. This is Motley Fool Money.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that enjoys the sound of silence and prefers a power wall over Wonderwall. I'm Andrew Page and with me is Scott Phillips. This ain't no Oasis, Andrew. <laughs> sure ain't. Uh, three topics for you this week. Firstly, the Trump Dump copyright. Is it, Andrew Page. <laughs> is it I'm I'm hoping that catches on. <laughs> I'm gonna keep keep saying it till it does. Is it time for Hail to the Chief Donald style? Next, here comes the energy revolution. A lot happening in the energy space. We're going to dig into that. And finally, trading wisdom for foolishness. What party is best for investors and the markets? Should it be to the left or the right? We'll scratch that itch in just a moment. But first, the Trump dump. There it is again. That's number two. We'll see how many we can fit in this podcast. Now, a week ago, uh, the Donald, as he is called, the uh, billionaire U.S. tycoon, who could well be the next uh, leader of the free world, had a 20% chance of winning the presidential election. Two weeks ago, it was a 14% chance. Today, on the, you know, not far to go, we are looking at a 34% chance. So really a one in three chance that he becomes the next president. Now, that's all good and well, and we're going to remain politically agnostic here, but there's plenty of prognostications out there as to what this is going to mean. Agnostic for the, prognostications. You like it? Uh, yeah, kind of. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> is this going to be good or bad for the economy? Now, most of the pundits out there are saying this is going to be bad.
2: If Trump gets in, markets are going to crash. Scott, are they right? Well, let's take a little step back first. Let's talk about why the markets might crash. Let's talk about the economy. Okay. Donald Trump, he's... A, Again, love him or loathe him, you can guess which side of the story I'm on there. Uh, it, this this is this is kind of unparalleled policy, right? This is taking America back to basically the 1920s, the isolationism of the of the America. Remember, they mm. only got dragged into the Second World War mm. basically because of the Pearl Harbor bombing. Pre-that they, they sat on the sidelines. They were effectively a neutral non-combatant. They didn't want to take part. Mm-hmm. America of the 20s and 30s was a, a country that wanted to be left to its own devices and stay out of everyone else's way. This is basically what Trump wants to take them back to. Ninety odd years later, they want to. He wants to close borders physically to people. He wants to build the mm-hmm. wall across with, uh, between America and Mexico, as he says. He also wants to stop a whole lot of trade. He wants to tear up trade treaties. He wants to change the way things are done. He basically, you know, the the whole idea of the win win trade treaty is going by the wayside in, mm-hmm. under a Trump presidency, mm-hmm. and it's going to be all about we win, you lose. That's the that's the uncertainty for the for the world economy now. No one really knows. A, what Trump's going to do, mm-hmm. and B, how it's going to affect the rest of the world. This is the, probably the largest policy shakeup in American history, certainly in modern American history, mm-hmm. well well and truly back in the 1800s and, and before. So the, the first thing that people are really nervous about is we simply don't know what could happen. Mm-hmm. What's really important to point out, and look, we've talked about international trade here before. What's really important to point out is whether you like it or, or hate it, and, and people have a, a different view, international trade is actually really, really good for the economy. It's good for us. It's good for the Americans. It's good for the Japanese, the Russians, the English. Mm-hmm. Name name your country. International trade allows us to sell the stuff we make cheaply and buy the stuff someone else makes cheaply mm. and we're both better off as a result. Even though, of course, there are little dislocations here and there for individuals, you so got which it. you've absolutely got to acknowledge. Totally. Yep. So you know, when our car industry closes down here, there are people put out of work, there are components makers put out of work. Right. That's a big deal and we, and we need to recognise that. Yep. But overall, the fact that we can buy better and cheaper cars from Germany or from Asia or from the US and we can sell someone else the wheat that we produce or the education that we produce at a much better, cheaper, higher quality basis than someone in another country, Mm. means we get cheaper cars, Mm. they get better education, we're both better off because we've got money for the education and we use it to buy those cheaper cars. Mm. Our standard of living is materially higher now than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. There's a lot of reasons for that, but chief among them, probably at least the top three, is Mm. the benefits of international trade. Mm. So when Trump says, no more international trade, or only on my terms, Mm. The, the possibility that that could actually significantly hurt the U.S. standard of living, and frankly, the rest of the world's standard of living, is relatively high. On a simple basis, he says, look, there's going to be more jobs in America. I'm going to not buy stuff, cheap stuff from overseas. I'm going to have more jobs in America. Everyone goes, yeah, that's great. Now, the American unemployment rate is already four point something, I want to say. Mm-hmm. There's not that many more jobs, really, that can be taken Pretty up by the U.S. Right? economy, right? Mm-hmm. So you think about, okay, that's the first thing if they let's say they take they got rid of all imports from china japan the, the, the cheaper manufacturing countries higher quality manufacturing countries brought them all back to the states they would be buying more expensive cars more expensive televisions more expensive food more expensive iPhones the whole box and dice everything would be much more expensive mm-hmm. so yes there'd be a few more jobs in the states maybe probably not quite but frankly. on average everyone's standard of living goes down and you also lose the export jobs so yeah. think about the, the cars they're making in america that we're buying over here the ford mustang for example right mm-hmm. if we stop doing that we, we start buying our own cars again the Americans are out of jobs in the, in the car manufacturing industry, mm. even if they make some more jobs making iPhones. So there is no net benefit. There's a significant net cost to that. Now, that's a quick segue, but thinking about back to a Trump presidency, the real risk here is the isolationist policies of a Donald Trump, mm. and frankly, the other stuff we don't know about, has the potential to really significantly harm the American economy and the world economy, and that's what's got people worried. Well, and okay, so that all makes sense. And again, we let's Thank go you. back
1: to the odds. <laughs> I didn't say it was right. I said it, <laughs> made, it made sense. First time for everything. <laughs> Um and so when you're looking when you're looking down the barrel of something like that and yep. the odds of this happening you know 1 on 3 it's like rolling a dice and getting a 1 or 2 right it's 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 the odds aren't terrible here so people are saying <laughs> well maybe we should we sit on the sidelines until until we know what's going to happen because if that does happen it could be bad for your mark the market's bad for your portfolio bad for your wealth bad for a whole host of reasons so are they right
2: yeah look I <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go up on a limb here and, and look really stupid in a week's time. I think the chances are much, much less than one in three. Okay. The, you know, realistically, if, had, if we had three elections in a row, mm. one in three chances means Trump wins at least one of those elections. Mm. The chances of that are, in this particular circumstance, I think, are, are well, way it, overstated. It's,
1: it's, it's, it's sake of the argument, though, let's sure. say let's say that's exactly what it is. You sure, know, sure, so, sure. whatever it is, you know, 30% chance, 25, yep. thirty percent chance, twenty five, what thirty? There's there's a there's a very meaningful chance he's going to do it. Yes. Am I right to think? You know, what I'm just going to sell some of my shares right now. I'm going to delay doing what I otherwise might have done. Is that a sensible move? I mean, given the very very serious, you know, um, economic and, and market ramifications. No how do you square square that circle for sure. me Mr. Phillips how, Look, how, do you, how do you connect those two thoughts so
2: here's the thing the market goes through we say well some people say I hate the cliche but in this case it's slightly relevant so I'll use it they say the market climbs a wall of worry mm. that is that the market goes up over time despite all the things that might possibly happen in fact despite some of the things that actually do happen so remember Greece was going to leave the euro and Italy was going to go broke, and mm. Portugal and Spain were going to go broke, mm. and there was going to be a Brexit. Still could happen, by the way. Well, there's going to be a Brexit, and there's yep. going to be a whole lot of other stuff. Now, Brexit happened, Brexit didn't. Yeah. Italy, Spain, Portugal didn't go broke. Yeah. All all those things we worry about that did and didn't happen, the market still goes up. Well, and was, that's the that's the challenge right so yeah. Brexit actually happened and the market panicked the day after mm. a month later the shares were higher than they were before Brexit even happened I, you know you, i think you've hit
1: on it for me what i what I, I find difficult to accept from from a lot of the punditry they say look mm. if trump wins the market's going to fall a lot the next day you know what i'm, I'm pretty sure they're 100% right but is that a reason not to invest? So, example, let, let's look at let's look at uh, Brexit. So, market down three mm-hmm. percent the day after it was huge. I mean, market the, the whole market does not fall by that much very often. When it yep. does, it, it's a pretty serious thing. Interestingly enough, less than a month later, the market was then up more than five yeah, percent from right. where it was before. Exactly, um, and I think we're still above that point now. So it's one of these things that I think, you know, we've talked about it before, if you're going to invest in, in the share market and you're really investing for one or two year periods, you're really flipping a coin. I don't really care what you buy. You buy the best business out there, you know, and and, and just something happens and, and you could lose half your money very quickly. So, yeah. so first of all, if you're going to invest in the market, you're doing it for at least, I would suggest, at least a five year time frame. So the, the trouble is, is that even once this sort of uncertainty resolves itself, there's the next twenty things that are that are that are going to come and, and confuse us and confound us and make us worry about the future. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would say is, even if we sort of play it through and we say, well, let's say he does win, and there are there are these issues, it's, <clears throat> it, it doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily have no investment opportunities. I would posit that something like Apple is probably still going to be around in 10 years time. People are still going to be going nuts for phones. You know, they're still going to be earning a lot of money. Are, are they a business that today is really worth buying if Trump doesn't win? But if Trump does win, it's something that you want to stay a million miles away from. I, I can't, that to me doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, that's, a, look that, and that's exactly right. This is, this is the, you know, the, the market over, over a century and more has climbed inexorably despite all the worst things that, that the world could throw at it. We've had, Two world wars, a whole lot of terrorism, oil shocks, hyperinflation, stagflation, low interest rates, GFCs, uh, local recessions, international recessions, Asian financial crises—they're just ones I can think of off the top of my mm. head, and I'm sure there's mm. a dozen more if I sit down and try mm. to list it out. I'll come up with, mm. the, you know, the, the market will always find reasons to fall because people panic or people don't panic because things happen or don't happen, mm. but the market rises overall despite these things, and that's that's the key one. So look, you know, is a, is a Trump the day after a, a, a President Trump election? Is the market going to fall? Almost certainly because people are fearful of what Mm. might happen. Mm. But is it likely to happen? No. And if it does happen, is it the end of the world? No. You know, for better or worse, he's only got eight years maximum as, as president. And presidents, frankly, have much, much less impact on the economy than we imagine. We'll come back to that point. We will. Actually, one thing I would
1: say, if I was in the wall building business, um, or if I could buy <laughs> shares in a company that that was, was known to build very big, tall um, you know, walls, that's probably going to be great
2: if, if Trump wins, right? Uh, hair pieces, tanning salons, <laughs> orange right. paint, lots of, lots of good stuff. All right, let's move on. Let's-
0: Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. So let's talk
1: a bit about the energy revolution. It's been in the news a little bit. Talking so- about a revolution. Hazelwood. Cue to the Beatles, go the,
0: the biggest,
1: dirtiest uh, plant in a coal-fired, uh, a brown coal-fired power plant.
2: The um, ugliest and dirtiest of the ugly and dirty. It's,
1: it's really, it's, you know, look, it, it's, it's really a... a um, horrible piece of infrastructure but serves a very very real need does. and that's that's what's also difficult about this interestingly enough this one plant closure alone will reduce the country's emissions by five percent which is just incredible. Mm. Now at the same time we've had Elon Musk of Tesla fame come out and say you know we, we're going to he's, he's on a mission to save the world and, and send people to Mars and do a whole bunch of other things.
2: <laughs> he is Iron Man after he all.
1: He is Iron Man and and he's he's got this thing called the Power Wall mm. and they've just announced the Wonder Not the Wonder Wall. The Power Wall. Right. The and um, uh, they've just announced these solar tiles. These tiles that you put on not a solar panel but the, the tile itself is a solar a panel. tile. A roof tile. Right. Right. And 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 so we, we have seen this dramatic shift and so he thought it was, that's probably an interesting thing to talk about in terms of an investment investment perspective yeah. and I thought it was particularly interesting because I happen to know mr. Phillips that you <laughs> yourself have just purchased a power wall
2: mister you must want something <laughs> I ha- I have indeed so look let, let's let's break this down let's go to Hazelwood first I'll keep everyone in suspense about the power wall um, <laughs> the Hazelwood power plant as you said Andrew five percent of the country's emissions go away with the closure of Hazelwood mm. uh, and again, politics aside, the fact that this was a commercial decision by a company rather than some sort of government decision, no matter yep. what, you, what your political stripes, is absolutely madness. Yep. The positive thing for our country, for, for people who live in the area, other than the, the workers specifically employed, yep. is our air is going to be a whole lot cleaner as a result of this change. As you said, brown coal is the worst. It's the hot, most polluting coal there is. Yep. Um, this is an old piece of infrastructure. The, the fact it's closing down. Look, and frankly, think about you know the impact both federal state governments say the power prices will rise as a result because this also was very very cheap power. Yep. If you and you know the the old style the way they used to do this was you find a massive coal deposit and you simply build a power station next door. Yep. So it's incredibly cheap to get out of the ground. Yep. It's incredibly cheap to transport. It's incredibly cheap to burn. Yep. um hang the environment but that was the, that's the problem. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the fact it's closing is great news for the economy as uh, so the environment I should say great news for Australia. Terrible news for those people obviously being put out of work. Yep. Although we do believe that there's a decent government package being offered to them, which yeah, is great. Yeah, uh, and, and and you know, uh, overall, you know, a much, much better outcome for everybody else. Interestingly enough, this is this is another move towards, and we'll get to the to power wall in a second, because this is another move away from the highly polluting fossil fuel generated energy that we have currently. And again, I have a view on the environment, I have a view on, on what energy policy should be. <coughs> <Hippy>. Outside <laughs> outside of what i actually think th- this is this is the way the, the world is moving the, mm. the, the country is moving this way the economy the political sphere is moving down that track we're seeing massive amounts of money being put into wind into mm-hmm. solar into other things and money coming out of in fact um ng the, the the french company who owns hazelwood shut it down specifically because they want to get out of the coal business that's what they're trying to do they don't want to spend money promoting this stuff they want to move towards themselves as a commercial decision mm. towards producing renewable energy and when companies themselves say we don't want to do that anymore hopefully governments catch up but this is a really clear sense of where energy policy is moving yep. it's a big deal for people employed in the coal industry it's a big deal for investors in coal companies for what it's worth um, and frankly it's also a big deal for the for the environment so you know it's 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 a, it's a real it's a change worth being aware of mm-hmm. specifically because it was a commercial decision when a government says you can't do it anymore, you are okay fine that's a political decision yeah. when a commercial business whose job is to make profit says no thank you we don't want to burn coal brown coal anymore that tells you everything you need to know about which way energy policy is heading
1: yeah, I th- I think that's the that's the key point that I really want to dig into here because it tends to be when you talk about these things, it really comes back to things you know like the environment and these broader, more qualitative type considerations.
2: But only qualitative if you can breathe. got right. <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> so, qualitative very, very quickly if you can't breathe. The well, very true. Ask I, I, people in China. One of our colleagues came back. Two of our colleagues came back from Beijing in China yeah. with with hacking coughs. Yeah. Um, yeah it was and 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 a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a basically a decision not to buy anything from made in China right now. The the pollution is so bad in China. Um, and, and frankly, in terms of policy, China is moving that way as well for their own people's benefit, for the, for the populace's well, benefit. When it comes to pollution,
1: so when so when Elon was up on up in stage, Mr. Um, Musk, yeah, Mr. Is. Musk oh, and, and
2: he's and he's doing
1: this. The, the interesting thing was he made a bit of a talk. He, he mentioned you know carbon emissions yep. and, and you know parts per million and all you know sort of he started there, but really the thrust of his argument was people are going to buy this product. Purely because it just is in their financial interest yep. to do so. It's cheaper and it's better. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's what's interesting. So this is why I wanted to come back. So, so uh, you've decided to buy a Powerwall. I have. And- Presumably, given you're a bit of a, a numbers man, yes. and I know I know you like your, your finance and the rest of it, pro- <laughs> probably while you're on the That's podcast why we're here, exactly. Um, uh, so, so I'm talk... not just here for my good looks, Andrew. <laughs> so, break it down for me. So, we, we, was was that very much a consideration for you? Is it the financials of it just it just
2: yeah. added up? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't add up at all. At least, oh, yet. doesn't it? Okay. So I bought a. Bit, so the PowerWall Two is the other, really the other big hippie. announcement. I know the <laughs> other the other big announcement this week is the PowerWall Two's been announced, right? <laughs> just, and actually, just after you have bought your PowerWall oh, One, seriously, <laughs> honestly, I, I'm sure it. they waited. Elon's like, has he had it installed yet? Yep. Okay, great. Okay, let's come up with the Powerwall 2. <laughs> it's going to halve the cost, apparently, of the cost per kilowatt hour of energy. Amazing. So in yeah. terms of, you know, again, I'm, I'm absolutely royally screwed on buying the Powerwall number one. The, the so so my wife and I we had a, we had a basically a conversation so you know what do we want to do in terms of power mm-hmm. in terms of ongoing cost of our power yep. and frankly you're right I'm a bit of a hippie in terms of the environment I don't mm-hmm. want you know I've got a, a three and a half year old kid um you know we don't want to be adding to the world's environmental degradation and so yes that makes me a hippie I'm fortunate I'm in a situation where I can afford to put my hand in my pocket and spend a couple of grand so over 10 years or so I'm gonna be a couple of grand out of pocket this this actually is going to cost me a couple of okay. thousand bucks to have a power wall and some panels on the roof. So yep. I did the combination. Um, if I hadn't done anything and just used the the power out of the wall socket, not worried about it, mm. I would be better off financially in ten years' time than I am today. Right. But is- we made a decision to say, look, we can afford to put our hands in our pockets. It's you know, it, it's all money, and so some people can't afford to or don't want to do mm-hmm. it. We made a decision that we wanted to basically not spend money on something else, spend it on a power wall and, and a and a set of uh, mm-hmm. solar panels on the roof because it was pretty line ball mm. and. Frankly, we want to do the right thing by the environment. We want to do the right thing by our kids and their kids and their kids. Um, If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. we just made that decision. So people will make different decisions. Um, You can Mm. do something different. Uh, Our listeners will will make their own choices. But um, quite frankly, if the Powerwall 2 had been available, Mm. particularly on a a per kilowatt hour basis, Mm. I dare say you'd almost break even buying a Powerwall 2. And to your point about the, the roof tiles, the roof tiles are actually cheaper to install than the equivalent roof, uh, than normal roof tiles plus solar panels, mm. and the energy you're going to save. So mm. it's actually you're actually it makes more sense now to build a roof with Tesla's roof tiles than to not do it at all. Um, okay, but put this uh, bottom line for me. What, yep. what
1: what's the investment takeaway for something like this? All right, you you surprised me a bit with your answer. There. I thought you were going to say, well, it makes sense because I'm going to be X <laughs> like, Oh, okay, you're just doing it to, to feel good.
2: Well, congrats no, by the way. I, but I I, just, I wasn't I was I'm expecting a different to, Not just to feel good, to actually to improve. Our, our, our carbon footprint, okay. on the, our impact on the environment, okay, right? Great. So that, that has that is dividends for my kids, for your kids, for their kids. Right. Um, you can screw my kids, I'm not going to, I'm going to do the right thing, but um, you know. i got a brown fire coal pile. Yeah, plant I bet right? you do at the back, yeah. Right? Thanks yeah. very much, you would too. It's cheaper. Mercenary bastard. <laughs> um, look, so the, the bottom line here is, there is an absolute revolution underway. <laughs> you make the point about the tiles now are cheaper yeah. than the equivalent roof tiles. We've got companies closing down coal-fired power stations purely on commercial reasons. Yep. And you've frankly got people like me and other people who'll pay a couple of bucks out of their own pockets to be first movers, to be leading edge mm. in terms of the change in the energy. The energy revolution, as you as you mm. called it, Andrew, when you started talking about it. This is this is the real this is the real game changer that's going on right now. In a couple of years' time, we are going to find unsubsidized renewable power is cheaper than the other stuff. Yep. Now if you're if you're an owner in, in shares in companies that that mine coal, mm. that burn coal, mm. You know, this is old economy stuff. Now I'm not predicting doom and gloom, but you've got to be really clear it's here. A, it's a pretty serious headwind to be sailing into. Though, we, right? This is this is a, this is an inflection point, quite literally. This is the point at which technology is overtaking what used to happen. You can extrapolate some things. You know, if if you're farming wheat, you can probably farm wheat 100 years hence, mm. climate change impact notwithstanding. Mm. You can pretty much assume that's going to happen, right? Mm. If you extrapolate though, old. Energy, coal in particular, into the future and say, this is, this is you know, in 10, 20, 30 years' time, the market will look nothing like it has for the past literally 100 years. Yeah. These power plants have been doing their thing basically unchanged for 100 years. Yeah. But the next 20 years are going to be very, very, very different if you're an investor in old-school power, yep. particularly coal, coal mines, uh, yep. and coal-fired power stations. If your energy company if you are shares an origin, and AGL, um, be very, very careful about what you expect the future to look like. Because hippiness aside, mm. there is a change because simply financially, economically, companies are making their own decisions. AGL is getting their solar panels. Mm. This French company is closing down coal-fired power stations. Mm. And the renewable energy is becoming cheaper per kilowatt hour than the energy it's replacing. That is a marked shift in the way the economy is moving. And you need to be prepared for that as an investor, or you're going to get caught holding the baby.
1: Yeah, you don't want to be the guy who's buying uh, shares in a buggy whip maker, you know, as as cars are coming into fashion.
2: (laughs) That's a great example, right? This is this is this is not. Quite seriously, this is a similar-ish change in the energy infrastructure of the country. All right. Get more motley fool money
0: advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple m. We've touched on
1: politics earlier on, but did. let's come back to that because we wanted to say with us listeners, it's not going to be that <laughs> Well, we we wanted to do a little bit of myth busting for one of a better word. Yes. You know, we're going to trade wisdom for foolishness. There's a lot of accepted wisdom out there in the market, and people say these things, and you know. You say something often enough, it does become <laughs> accepted as, as truth. Like the Trump dump, for example. Like the Trump dump. There number, we go. The, there's a the number three mention. Already. You're welcome. Um, uh, and and so we thought, well, let's let's try and make this a sort of semi regular feature, and, and and why not start off with this one? And again, let's let's just be purely ag- agnostic from a political standpoint here. Yeah. You will hear a lot of people say a lot of smart, well respected people say that really. As far as the economy and the share market and all that is concerned, you want the conservatives to be in power. Mm-hmm. Libs are better for the ASX. The Republicans are better for Wall Street, um, and it, it seems to make a lot of sense. They are more pro-business, you know, um, and 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 it, it sort of it's a narrative that makes
2: sense. Yep. Unfortunately, though, the data doesn't support that. Correct. If you look at the last five US presidents, let's just use US numbers because we've got a US election coming up yep. right now. Okay. So Ronald Reagan's presidency, eight years of Reagan, yep. average, say S&P 500, US stock market just as a proxy, right? The Reagan presidency delivered a gain of 10% a year. It's pretty good. It's about average, right? Yep. The Bush presidency, another Republican president, Bush the first, 5.3%. Okay. Okay. So less than average, but fair enough. Clinton, 15%. George Bush II, minus five, mm. and Obama thirteen percent. Yeah, that's Although, the last. Oh, he was lucky. That he sort of started around the GFC, so he got a very low base there, didn't he? Yeah, Worked true. On... But but you know the, the gains for, for for Bush's eight years, for example, including the run up before the GFC, yeah, yeah. and he still delivered minus five point six percent. So you know, y- yes, there are absolutely components of, of that, and, and and there's timing. That's only five presidents. Mm. Even if you go back to nineteen hundred, the average annual difference between parties is less than one percent per year. Yeah. In other words, it's basically. Nothing. There, there's nothing. It, it, it is it is line ball. There is so, that sort of error, that sort of difference. There's only been what, fifteen presidents yeah. since 1900. Such a small sample set. Right. Yeah. So even, even if it was, even if there was a bigger gap, you'd still say, well, the sample size doesn't work. Yeah. When there is that sort of number and the numbers are basically flat, the last five presidencies yeah. you know, show that. We're not saying, by the way, that you know one party is necessarily better than the other. The point is that there is no distinct, distinct, difference between the parties when it comes to the performance of the economy. They're simply, you know. The 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 accepted wisdom, and frankly the political wisdom, that the the conservative parties, Australia's Liberal Party, the 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 Republicans in the U.S., the Tories in the U.K., they're somehow pro-business, and therefore the returns are better. Mm. They are definitely pro-business. That's true. It just doesn't get reflected in the results. And in fact, if you look at the Reagan the Reagan years, growth in profit during the Reagan years is about 27%. Mm. Under the Obama, Reagan was kind of the 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 arch kind of example of of conservative neoliberal politics. Mm -hmm. Under the Republican president, under the Obama presidency, I should say, gained about 55%. Yeah. So, you know, the, again, this isn't saying that that Democrats are better for for um, for business; they're not. But overall, the thought that somehow you can draw party lines of party philosophy, party ideology, and extrapolate that to the markets and the economy just simply doesn't hold water.
1: Yeah, and my view tends to be it's such a, um, for one of a better word, a multifactorial type thing. You know, you have you have umpteen dozen factors sort of all pushing on, on, uh, the main economic drivers and politics is part of that mix, but it's a, it's a relatively small part. There are much more fundamental laws of economics that that are at play here. So even if you have something that might tip things one way or the other, it is, you know, pissing into the wind from, uh, you know. Pardon, pardon the French I'll, I'll stand, I'll stand yeah. outside. <laughs> right. You know what I mean, though? And yeah, totally. I, and I think I think when people sort of look at these things, they they extrapolate too yep. much and, and draw too much meaning from it. So again, whatever your stripe is, whether you're an ardent communist or you're a hardcore capitalist right-winger, you know these things really shouldn't influence your decision. I mean, you're far better off
2: just trying to understand the bloody business and working out what a fair price to pay is. The governments are far less responsible for the good stuff and frankly also far less responsible for the bad stuff that happens in our economy. Myth busted. Myth busted.
1: Well, that almost wraps it up before we go. Don't forget you can subscribe to Triple M's Motley Full Money through the iTunes or your uh, iTunes store. The iTunes. It sounds it's like my grandma. <laughs> the,
2: the Netflix or the Google.
1: <laughs> <laughs> through iTunes, as the kids say, or your favorite Android podcast app. And of course, at triplem.com.au forward slash podcast. And please, if you'd be so kind, give us a five star rating. So, Scott, thanks again for your time.
2: Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Fools.
1: Until next week, Fools, Fool on.
2: Fool on.